You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Joshua. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, full of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, He calls you now. Seems evil, he says. What do you mean it seems evil? Well, if you're serving foreign gods, if you're doing other things and God's not number one in your life, it is going to seem evil to serve him because you're believing the lie of Satan. And Satan's going to say, wait a minute, what about all these other things? Has God really said you shouldn't do this? Satan's lies hasn't changed since the Garden of Eden. It's the same thing. Has God really said that? Oh, come on. We live in liberal times. Come on. God hasn't said that. And that's all it seems evil to us. One of Satan's oldest and most effective tricks is to get us to doubt the truth of God's Word. In today's message, Pastor Dave teaches us that if the enemy convinces us to doubt God's truthfulness, demonic deception soon follows. This deception can be so great that a person can believe that good is evil and evil is good. Now here's Pastor Dave with part two of today's message, Choose This Day, from the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Joshua speaks... He speaks now to all of Israel. And he says something very, very interesting at the beginning of it. He says, thus says the Lord. This becomes prophecy. This becomes prophecy. Prophecy is not always predictive. Prophecy can be predictive, but prophecy is not always predictive. The true meaning of prophecy is bringing forth the word of God. So that's what Joshua is doing. He's bringing forth God's word. See, God is getting ready to challenge the children of Israel. He's getting ready to challenge you and me tonight. God is getting ready to challenge the children of Israel. And once again, he wants to remind them of his faithfulness. Notice something strange. As I read through those chapters... Did you notice all the I statements? All the I statements? Look at them. Look at them. I took your father. I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave the mountains. I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt. I did among them. I brought you out. I brought your fathers out. Listen to this. These I verses. What I did in Egypt. I brought you into the land. I gave them into your hand. I destroyed them. I would not listen to Balaam. I delivered them into your hands. I sent the hornet, and I've given you a land. You get a theme here, folks? Is there a theme going on here? Look what God has done for them. Look what God has done for them. He says, I've I've given you that. I've given you this. And then in verse 13... In verse 13, he enlarges it. He says, hey, guys, I've given you a land which you didn't labor for. I've given you cities that you didn't build. And you live in them. And you eat the olives and the vineyards that you didn't even plant. All these things that God has done for this nation. I love it. I love it. And when I was reading this, really, it was really, when I read this, I was was led to go to Peter. Peter. And in, and in 1 Peter, in verses 3 through 8, 
I just love what it says here. We get an idea of what God is doing. We, we've gone to Ephesians many, many times to what God has done in our lives, and we can still go there, and it would be, it would be applicable for this verse. But in, in, in 1 Peter, in, in 1 Peter 3, in 1 Peter 1, 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you may be grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, I rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Peter's saying, wait a minute. God has begotten you to a living hope. God has given you an inheritance which is incorruptible. He's given you an inheritance which is undefiled. He's given you an inheritance that will not fade away. It is reserved for you in heaven. He keeps you by his power. And all the times you're hearing this, you're going saying, yeah, but what do I get to do? What do I get to do? I can imagine these guys saying, what do we get to do? What do we get to do? And down here he says, believe. And we laugh. And I laugh with you and I love it and I chuckle with that. Man, when the rubber meets the road, sometimes believing is the hardest thing that we can do. Sometimes when we, and we see all these wonderful things that God has given us, and we all want to do what's best. We all want to obey God. We all want to have that faith. But man, when you're in a trial, thank you, Peter, that it's just a little while. I like that. When you're in a trial, that's the hardest thing we have to do is believe. It's tough. It's tough out there to believe that he's going to work all things together for good because his word tells me so. It's tough. But we believe it and we trust in him. God has provided us through his grace and his mercy. He's given us so much that we receive by faith. And when we receive it by faith, we become, we become partakers of these divine promises. And all the promises in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. And all the promises throughout the entire New Testament. We become partakers of those. They're, they're given to us. Go back to Ephesians 1 and read through that glorious chapter, beginning in verse 3 to the end, to tell you what we have through Christ Jesus. That is exciting stuff. I've given you this. I've adopted you. I've predestined that you're here. Bang, bang, bang. What do you want me to do, Lord? Believe. Believe. As you see this wonderful list, I'm going to go back to uh, Joshua. As you see this wonderful list that the Lord proclaims to the children of Israel, there is something strangely missing from this list. There is something strangely missing from this list. Let's see if anyone knows what it is. Does anybody know what's strangely missing from this list? I didn't hear you. Yeah. Doesn't talk about the time that they got angry and cried in the wilderness and wanted this and wanted that. Doesn't talk about the time that Achan, Achan sinned against them. He doesn't talk. God doesn't even mention their sin. 
He never mentions what they've done wrong. And you can't tell me for 48, 48, what did we figure out? Almost 60 years, they haven't done anything wrong? Hmm. God never mentions it. He just tells them how faithful he has been to them. How faithful he has been to them. Why? Jeremiah 31, 34. I will remember their sin no more. I will remember their sin no more. The slate is wiped clean with Jesus Christ. It's done. It's through. The slate is clean, cleared. Believe me, as a school teacher, I've erased a lot of blackboards. I haven't erased as many whiteboards as I have blackboards, but I've erased a lot of blackboards. And you knew erase that gone, all those notes that you put up there. And I used to remember writing notes. And I would scribble up there, and I'd write all these notes, and I'd get down to the bottom, and I'd start erasing the top, and somebody yelled, wait, 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 I'm not done yet. I said, it's all the way up there. I've erased a lot of notes. But God has erased all of your sin through Christ Jesus. All of your sin, past, present, and future, has been wiped clean. Well, how's that possible, Dave? Because what they did, it says in Scripture, is they took the sins and they nailed it to the cross. And as that blood ran down off off the cross, it washed it away. It washed it all away. Thank you, Lord, is right. It washed it away. God wants to challenge the nation Israel. Let's look at verses 14 and 15. Very familiar verses to you. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served in the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love that. I love that challenge. First word is therefore. You have to find out why it's therefore. All the things that God has done, all the things that God has told them that he has been, his faithfulness, his love, that's the therefore. That's what it's there. That's what's before that. That's what's before that. That's why you can't take scriptures out of context. That's what's before that. And as you see, all those wonderful things, the I statements of God, I did this, and I did that, and I did that. It goes back to what we talked about in Romans. Where can I boast? What boasting do I have? I can't can't boast in anything. It was God that did it all. It was God that did it all. Because of what the Lord did, he said, fear him. First thing out of of, of, uh, Joshua's mouth is fear the Lord. Now, therefore, because he has been so faithful and has done all those things, fear him. Fear the Lord. This is not shaking and quaking fear. Thinking he's going to wipe you out. Think he's going to wipe you out. No. This is a holy reverence, an awesome respect. It's giving him all glory and praise that's to his name. See, the biblical fear of God for the believer includes understanding just how much God hates sin. How much God hates sin and fearing his judgment on sin. Even in the life of a believer, it talks about that in Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. It talks about how God disciplines the believer, how he chastises those he loves, and how we shouldn't you know, be afraid of the chastisement because it'll help us grow. 
It's all done in love. It's still a fearful thing. As a child, your parents would threaten you. You know, you do this, this is going to happen. Hopefully it wouldn't get you to do those things. I'm not going to go there. The same is true with our relationship to God. He tells us these are the things that are happening here. Don't do this. Don't do it. There's death here. There's problems here. He tells us that. But we should fear his discipline. Therefore, we should seek, our, seek to live our lives in such a way that pleases him. Fearing God means having such reverence for him that it impacts on the way I live. My fear of the Lord impacts on the way I live. I don't want to let him down. I don't want to disappoint him. It impacts on the way I live. The fear of God is respecting him, obeying him, submitting to his discipline, and yes, worshiping him for his awesomeness. I don't want to let my God down. Oh my. And in that I fear. Yes, I do. I fear. But as long as I'm abiding in Christ, as long as I'm faithful to what he's given me, that fear is love. There is no fear. Because perfect love casts out all fear. It casts that fear away. We serve him with sincerity and truth because he says serve him and now comes an action. Serving him becomes an action. We work for him in our workplaces. We worship him. That's serving him. The way we treat our wives, the way we treat our husbands, that's serving him, doing what he says, the way we treat our neighbors. How you act in ministry. When you're in ministry, do you give it your all or you just uh, lackadaisically do this and do that? That's not how it works. It says in sincerity, with a sincere heart, not hypocritically. We don't serve him hypocritically. One translation means faithfulness. Once again, a picture of us being faithful to God, who has been extremely faithful to us. How do we serve God with faithfulness? How do we serve God in sincerity and truth? Well, first of all, he says, put away the idols. Put away those things that are on top of the list before God. Get rid of them. Put them away. Get rid of them. Children, jobs, spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends, ministry, all those things that want to take that top spot, all good in and of themselves, please. But God wants us to worship him. Secondly, we make love the priority of our lives. We hide the truth from others in our heart about the things we've placed before God. He says in sincerity and in truth, don't hide it. Don't hide the things that we're doing in secret. Like, you're trying to fool me. You can. What good does that do you? I fooled the pastor. Great. We hide the truth in our hearts. We can't hide these things from God. We can't hide these things from God. Victorious Christians, they had to do all this on their own. We've been given a helper. We've been given someone to lead us and guide us and to empower us to be able to do these things. His name is the Holy Spirit. And he's been given to us that we can now do these things under his influence by yielding to him. And we can now do these things. Because before them, I'm helpless. I'm helpless to do them without the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you right now. I know about you. I don't have that much strength. I'm very weak. He says, Put away these things. That's pretty strong words. Put them away. Put them away. When I first got saved, 
I didn't say anything wrong with taking a drink now and then. I didn't think anything wrong with having a beer. And I had liquor in my house, even after I got saved. We used to have a liquor cabinet. Or actually, it was a, 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 a microwave stand. And it had this little thing on there. that, had, And we had all our liquor stored there. And I used to study the Word of God right beside it. I used to study the Word of God right beside it at a table in Ocean City. And I'd be studying the Word of God. And I don't know how long it was. I can't tell you how long it was because I don't remember. But all of a sudden, I'm studying the Word of God. I went... What's wrong with this picture? That was it. That was it. I got up and went to the sink and emptied every bottle out. I emptied every bottle out. I didn't want anything to come between me and my God. I didn't want nothing to come between me and my God. Again, you can argue with me all day long that the Bible says we can take a drink. Absolutely. You're right. There's scripture there. It's fine. That was me. That's me. Put those things away. And again, once again, this is not a suggestion, folks. Put those things away that are above me, he's saying. Put them away. This is a command. This is a command. And you know what they call disobeying a command? Sin. This is a command. You shall have no other gods before me. In verse 15, beautiful verse. It seems evil, he says. What do you mean it seems evil? Well, if you're serving foreign gods, if you're doing other things and God's not number one in your life, it is going to seem evil to serve him because you're believing the lie of Satan. And Satan's going to say, wait a minute, what about all these other things? Has God really said you shouldn't do this? Satan's lies hasn't changed since the Garden of Eden. It's the same thing. Has God really said that? Oh, come on. We live in liberal times. Come on. God hasn't said that. And that's all it seems evil to us. He says, choose. What? Choose. Wait a minute. You mean I have a choice? You mean I have free will? Oh, now here's a whole new subject. I have free will? Oh, you mean I'm not a robot? No, I've given you a brain. I've given you a mind, and I want you to choose. See, the way I look at it, is I want my beautiful wife to love me because she really wants to love me and has chosen to love me. Likewise, I'm sure she wants me to love her because I have chosen to love her, not because I'm forced to love her. That's what God's saying. Choose. Hey, you want to serve those bad boys on the other side of the river? Hey, have at it. Choose who you're going to serve. Why? Because everybody will serve somebody. Everybody will worship something or someone. Everybody will. We were born that way. But we have been created to serve our God. But what do those wandering eyes see? Look at that grass over there. Grass here looks pretty burnt. I don't know. Look at that grass over there. It looks pretty green to me. Oh, boy, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go over there. And so many people tell me, well, we're going here. We're going there. I'm going, okay. But remember, when you're driving down the road, look in the rearview mirror because there's a U-Haul with all your problems and all the things that you did here going right with you. Oh, no. Lord's giving me a new start. Okay. You know what I said to that? Let me know how that works out for you. He says, choose today. 
And may I add, choose tomorrow, choose the next day, and choose the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that, until the Lord comes and takes us. Choose this day. What a wonderful example. You got to love this guy. I mean, you really got to love this guy. He's 110 years old. He is 110 years old, and he's still being a pastor to his flock. He's saying, I don't care what you guys are doing. I'm going to serve the Lord, me and my whole family. He's 110. He probably has got 957,000 kids, but they're all going to serve the Lord. They were prolific back then. They were going to serve the Lord. What an example of a great father. What an example of a great father. As for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I love that. I love that. I just love it. The people respond to this challenge. I better move ahead. In verse 16 through 18. So the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us out and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went along and all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Great statement. Great, wonderful statement. Israel, you might have it right. Far be it from us. Look what the Lord has done for us. I have people who say the same thing to me. Far be it from me. I want to be at church. I want to come in fellowship with the believers. I want to get involved in ministry. I want to do this and I want to do that. I never see them. I I never see them. The worst thing the person can say to me when they're new to the fellowship, when they first walk through those doors, man, I really like it here, brother. I'm going to be back every single Sunday. We'll see you. I've had more people come and tell me that, and then you never see them again. I had a couple come last year. A couple come last year, and I met with them for over an hour. They wanted to get married on November 7th. They probably still want to get married on November 7th, and I don't know who's doing the wedding. And all the time, they kept on saying, oh, we love it here. This is great. They haven't seen anything yet, but they heard me talk. Oh, yeah, and I play the bass, and I do this, and I'm going to be here. We'll see you, Pastor. This is great. We're one. I introduced them to Frank. We showed them all around. Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> I've never seen them again. I've never seen Hydra hair of them again. That's what's happening here. You know, I want to serve the Lord, but our hearts aren't in it. Our hearts just aren't there. Everybody's saying the right thing. God has done this. God has done that. God does this. Of course we want to serve him. And I love the next verse. I love the next verse. And I just, I just love Joshua because did he say this with a sense of humor? But I don't think he did. They need to be reminded that serving the God under the covenant that they promised to do with curses and blessings. Remember, curses and blessings that, hey, he's reminding them, hey, guys, this is great. There are many, many blessings here, but if you don't, uh, let's go to the curses. It's like I got some good news and I got some bad news. The good news is if you serve the Lord the way you're talking about, you will be blessed beyond belief. But the bad news is if you don't, curses. What a warning. The book of Joshua details the Israelites' journey into the land promised them by God and the various adventures they encountered along the way. Through it all, one thing is clear. God keeps His promises and protects His people. Pastor Dave Shank will continue to teach through this Old Testament book on the next edition of Cape Watch Radio. But in the meantime, we'd like to direct you to our website at capewatchradio.com. Listen to an archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave or download and share them with your friends and family. 
You can also subscribe to Cape Watch Radio by searching on iTunes. Take biblical teaching with you wherever you go. It's a great way to add spiritual teaching to your already busy life. While we're so blessed to be able to bring you verse-by-verse studies straight from God's Word, we hope this isn't your only source of spiritual nourishment. The Bible impresses upon us the importance of community and the need to find a church family to help you grow in your walk with God. If you haven't found a church home and are in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Cape May each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We meet to worship our Creator and study more deeply the guidance He's given us in the Bible. For our address and directions, please give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Or visit our website at capewatchradio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But be sure to join us again for more on Cape Watch Radio.